Okay, good evening everybody. Um, as I told you before, we'll be spending most of uh, the evening in the book of Jeremiah. Um, as you all know, uh, Brother Wade is out sick, and uh, I had to come up with something uh, pretty quick. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I find myself um, not believing that uh, God is always with me. But um, today he proved he really is always with me. Um, this uh, sermon is uh, about excuses. Uh, after Brother Wade called me um, when I was at work, um, I began to think, well, what am I going to do for tonight? I don't have anything prepared. Uh, the sermon that I've got for next uh, Wednesday is only a page and a little bit more. Uh, so that wasn't complete. And uh, so I thought, well, let me go online and see, uh, look up uh, sermons on short notice. And... Uh, Something came up, and I kind of thought it was uh, ironic. That's how I can tell it. The Lord was with me. He, um, it's about excuses. And I was trying to think of maybe excuses on why I didn't have a sermon or this or that or the other thing. So here we go. It says, uh, we are skillful at the art of making excuses, aren't we? I don't know how. I didn't understand. I couldn't find the right tools. The voices told me to clean the guns all day. I threw out my back bowling. I have a doctor's appointment. There's been a death in the family. The hazmat crew is here and won't let me out of the house. I have a relative coming in from Hawaii. Need to pick him up at the airport. And my all-time favorite, when I got up this morning, I accidentally took two X-lax in addition to my Prozac. I can't get off to John, but I feel good about it. Uh, anyway, um, in the Christian world, uh, we can find all sorts of excuses not to obey God's voice. It's, it's the preacher's job. It's not my gift. I've already served. Let someone else do it. Or I'm too busy, too tired, too old, or too young. It's been said that um, excuses are the tools of the incompetent, and those who specialize in them seldom go far. Ben Franklin once wrote, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And uh, <clears throat> Gabriel Murier stated, he who excuses himself accuses himself. Uh, and in the book of Jeremiah, we'll find that uh, he already had an excuse ready when God called him to be a prophet. Um The first excuse is the task is demanding. And let me get into the book of Jeremiah here. It's right after, there it is, right after Isaiah. Okay. <clears throat> so anyway, excuse me. Uh, Jeremiah was called uh, to be a prophet to the nations. Uh, we read this, and, and Brother Jason also read it earlier, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, where he says... Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, or lo <clears throat> O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Well, <clears throat> uh, a prophet was chosen an authorized spokesman for God who declared God's word to the people. 
We often think of prophets as people who can tell the future, but a prophet spoke messages to the present <clears throat> that had future ramifications. They were foretellers more than they were, or fourth tellers more than they were foretellers, exposing the people's sins and calling them back to their covenant responsibilities before God. Being a prophet was more demanding than serving as a priest. The priest's duties were predictable. Everything was written down in the law. The prophet never knew from one day to the next what the Lord would call him to say or to do. The priest worked primarily to preserve the past. The prophet labored to change the present so the nation could have a future. Uh, priests dealt with externals, rituals, sacrifices, offerings, and services, whereas the prophet tried to reach the, and change hearts. Priests ministered primarily to individuals with various needs. Prophets, on the other hand, addressed whole nations, and usually the people they addressed didn't want to hear the message. Priests uh, belonged to a special uh, tribe and therefore... Uh, <clears throat> had authority and respect, but a prophet could come from any tribe and had to prove his divine call. Priests were supported from the sacrifices and offerings of the people, but prophets had no guaranteed income. Jesus, too, was called to be a prophet. He traveled from place to place, challenging the people to, to change so that their future in heaven would be guaranteed. Jesus spoke to the hearts of the people. Most did not expect accept his message of repentance, for they did want, not want to change. <clears throat> this part is, in uh, is the promise. God may assign you a demanding task, but his call keeps us going when we don't want to go and are ready to quit. We have the promise of God's purpose. I chose you before I formed you in the womb, and I set you apart before you were born, as I read before in Jeremiah 1, verse 5. The verb now has much more meaning than simply being aware of. It carries the idea of recognition of the worth and purpose of him who is known. God knew Jeremiah, chose Jeremiah, and appointed Jeremiah. He was known by name, handpicked by God, and commissioned to serve those acts <coughs> are commissioned to serve, excuse me. Those acts give one a great sense of purpose. The promise of God's purpose allows us to go of our own plans and to receive God's plan without fear. Like Jeremiah and Jesus, we need to accept that our future is not our own. We are God's. He has a distinct plan and purpose for our lives. You know, Danny said um, to me on Sunday before we got started in our services that um, he was um, very glad uh, to see the way that God's working in my life. And um, like I said today, um, there was proof of that, that he is working in my life because I was able to come up with this so fast. <clears throat> um the next excuse is, uh, my talent is inadequate. But I protested, oh no, Lord, God. Uh, this is not from the KJV, so I'm going to read it out of the KJV. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Uh, that's Jeremiah 1.6. He felt inadequate as a public speaker. And by the way, this excuse was also shared by Moses in Exodus 
chapter 4 and verse 10. If you turn with me now to Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, we see that, and I also uh, covered this in uh, my um, sermon about Moses. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am, of, I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. When they heard the news that I was uh, called to preach, most people, and this is uh, the person who wrote this, most people in the hometown thought the news <coughs> bearer had made a mistake. Um, surely you don't mean he is called to preach. You must mean his twin brother, Ricky. Um, he's too quiet. Then God's call came, and I felt honored, but extremely inadequate. My lack of talent was obvious. My quiet, shy nature was a detriment. <clears throat> now, uh, Tracy knows, and uh, you probably all know uh, from my last uh, few years of being here, um, I have no problems with opening my mouth. Um, anyway, um, he felt inferior. Even the neighbors noted and pointed out uh, to his mother as he grew up that uh uh, even one of his sisters uh, felt led of God to help him in be in touch with himself, telling him that in her opinion, which was an errant as the King James Bible, that if God called him to do anything, he must have a wrong number. We all know God doesn't make any mistakes, though. When um, this man told his preacher he was called to preach, he didn't necessarily feel uh, that God had a wrong number, but he was concerned that this man was uh, might have a poor connection, if you will. Now, God has a way to overcome weakness and our insufficiencies, doesn't he? I have learned over the years, however, that the person most aware of his own inadequacy is usually the person most dependent on God's all-sufficiency. My inadequacy has caused me to rely upon God. His strength is made perfect in my weakness, and his glory is manifested through my flaws. Next is uh, entitled The Promise. Our talent may appear inadequate, but God always equips those he calls. We have the promise of God's provision. Uh, in Jeremiah 1.9, like I said, this isn't from the KJV, so I'm going to read from the KJV. Uh, we're going to be back in the book of Jeremiah, then we'll jump to Matthew 3.17. But anyway, in Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. The touch was not so much to purify as it was to inspire and empower. It was symbolic of the gift of pro prophecy bestowed on Jeremiah. Jesus experienced this touch in a visible yet profound way. Following his baptism, immediately coming out of the water, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And God <clears throat> spoke, now this is from Matthew 3.17, which... I'll turn there, Matthew, Matthew 3, verse 17, 
And lo, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now we can turn back to Jeremiah. I believe we're going to be in there for the rest of the sermon. God blesses not the silver-tongued orator, but those, but the one whose tongue has been touched with coals from the altar. God uses not the most gifted and talented person, but the one touched by the hand of God. God uses the most unlikely persons to shake a church or a community or a nation. Never underestimate the power of the touch, especially when God does the touching. Um, as I was also, as I was um, printing this out and briefly reading through it, um, I was also thinking that it really is true that with God, all things are possible. The excuse uh, for this one, the time is not right. Jeremiah said to God, I am only a youth. The word youth, unfortunately, rendered child, some <clears throat> rendered child in some versions of the Bible ordinarily denotes a young unmarried man in his teens or early 20s. Most scholars think that Jeremiah was around 20 to 25 at the time of his call. His reply is not so much revealing in revealing his age as as much of a deep sense of immaturity. He felt inferior, in, inexperienced, and intimidated by the size of the task to which God was summoning him. The promise. God's call may come at an inopportune time, but he never sends forth his servant alone. We have the promise of God's presence. Let's see, is this from Jeremiah 1, 7 through 8? Yes, um, and like I said, this is not from the KJV, so I will read it from uh, the King James Version. But the Lord said unto me, this is verses 7 and 8, uh, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. 7 and 8. <clears throat> Please note the condition to this promise. Before Jeremiah could experience God's presence, he had to go where God sent him. Speak what God told him and reject fear. Someone once said that when God calls us to a task, he does not give us a roadmap to follow and then leave us to our resources. God walks with us. His presence gives us the strength to stand in the face of a ver every assault. Jesus felt that same presence. He had the Father, he and the Father, excuse me, were one. He could go on because God walked with him. What a difference it makes knowing that when we are being sent, someone is going with us. We know we do not have to walk the lonesome road alone, that we have a traveling companion. The, ex the next excuse, the teaching is dangerous. The Lord did not give Jeremiah a joyful message, message of deliverance to announce, but a tragic message of judgment. Consequently, Jeremiah would be misunderstood persecuted, arrested, and imprisoned. More than once, his life was even threatened. The people did not want to hear the truth. Jeremiah told them plainly they were defying the Lord, disobeying the law, and destined for judgment. God used the image of a boiling pot to communicate his, wrath, his coming wrath. 
in Jeremiah 1.13, uh, we see, he says, And the word of the Lord came unto me a second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Jewish homes would have a fairly large, wide-mouth washing or cooking pot. The unusual thing about the pot Jeremiah saw was that it was not level. It was tilted away from the north. The pot could at any moment spew its boiling contents toward the south, scalding the people of Judah. The pot represented the nation of Babylon that would invade and conquer Israel. The reason for the judgment was Israel's idolatry and rebellion against the God's righteous will. Jesus' teaching, <clears throat> Jesus's teaching contained mercy and judgment, grace and punishment. Jesus' teachings were dangerous too. In fact, it was his teachings that cost him his life. Once again, a promise. What God says through us may be dangerous, but God gives us the strength to endure. We have the promise of God's prevailing. Uh, I believe this is now G uh, Jeremiah 18 and 19. Um, yes. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar the, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall <clears throat> fight, in verse 19, against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Okay... Notice the architectural terms, a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls. These are solid, excuse me, and unshakable like the God who conceived them, and the prophet whom they would come to characterize. God reassured Jeremiah, attack you, they will, overcome you, they can't. The person who stands with God will prevail. Someone once said, one with God is a majority, alone we are helpless. With God we prevail. That's for sure. In the days of the Roman Empire, the great Colosseum of Rome was filled to capacity with spectators coming for the state games, watching human beings battle against wild beasts or against one another until one or both died. The crowd found its greatest delight in the death of a human being. When Honorius was emperor of Rome in A.D. 404, as the vast crowd watched the contest, a Syrian monk by the name of Telemachus leaped onto the Colosseum floor. So torn by the utter disregard for the value of human life, he cried out, In the name of God, this thing is not right. In the name of God, this thing must stop. The spectators became enraged at this courageous man. They mocked him and threw objects at him. Caught up in the excitement, the gladiators attacked him and a sword pierced him. The gentle monk fell to the ground dead. The entire Colosseum fell silent. 
For the first time, the people with the insatiable bloodthirst recognized the horror of what they had called entertainment. Telemachus kindled a flame in the hearts and the consciences of thinking persons. History records that, because of his courageous act, within a few months, the gladiatorial combats began to decline and very shortly passed from the scene. Why? Because one man dared to speak out for what he believed was right. His message was dangerous, for it challenged the pleasures and enjoyments of the people. Though Telemachus died, his message prevailed. <clears throat> the next excuse, do I have to go now? God was expecting immediate action from Jeremiah. God said in verse <clears throat> 17, Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that excuse me. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Um in Jeremiah's day, the men had to tie their loose robes together with a belt in order to run or to work. Jeremiah was in for a struggle. He had a fight on his hands. So the phrase, dress yourself or gird up your loins, uh, was a metaphor that meant get ready for action. Today, we might say, roll up your sleeves. God called Jeremiah to act. He was called to move out among people. He was called to deliver an offensive message. He would not be welcomed, nor would he be accepted. He would anger his hearers. Again, a promise. God expects obedience immediately. If we don't, we are in danger of God's wrath. We have the promise of God's power. Do not be intimidated by them, or I will cause you to cower before them. Uh, this was in Jeremiah 1.17. Of course, not worded exactly the same. Jesus obeyed. Whatever you think of Jesus, remember this. His heart was a willing and obedient heart. He, will, he always did what his father directed. There was no hesitation, no questioning, no circumventing, only immediate action. Has God, has God called you? Then he will fulfill his purpose in you. He will equip you. He will enable you. He will protect you. He will accompany you. Are you obeying his commands? Then he is with you to protect you. Are you sharing the word? Then he will accomplish his purposes no matter how the people respond. Um, like I said, um, I could feel that... Um, God was guiding me today. I've felt this uh, feeling before. I felt he was protecting me through the hurricane, as I told you before. Um, also, I mean, I was able to come up with this message. Once I started looking on the computer, it took me five minutes maybe to come up with uh, something. I found the uh, scriptures. I brought it up online under the KGV. And uh, so I could see, because I could tell that the wording um, that's in this, uh, like it says, uh, let's see. Uh, 
da, 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 da. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. That's not the way it says it in the KJV. It says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I can understand why... Um, it's, I don't know, it just, maybe it's because it's what we've always studied from here at Temple, but it it just sounds more godly in the KJV than it does in, I've read other versions of it, what do they have, the ISV and the NKJV, and there's so many other uh, versions of the Bible, I don't know, it's just, it, it sounds more like it's coming from God in the KJV to me. That's just my opinion. But um, anyway, I was able to come up with this sermon on short notice. Um, so that proved to me uh, that God is watching over me. He's helping me, uh, which is a very, it's a very comforting thing to, to know that he's there with you and that he's going he's gonna to protect us. Um, God doesn't lie. Um, and if God didn't love us, uh, as I said last week, he wouldn't have given his... Uh, only begotten son to save us from our sin nature. Um, I mean, why would he, why does he, why did he do that? Um, and it's of course, because of his uh, wonderful, uh, what is it? His, um, his grace, his wonderful grace um, and uh, the good pleasure of his will. Um, those are words are very comforting. Uh, also, I find a lot of comfort in knowing that, um, the sting of death has been taken away. I don't have to worry about burning in a lake of fire. I don't have to wonder what's going to happen after I die. Uh, if maybe I didn't believe all of the things that I had heard people saying about being saved or what have you. Um, now I don't have to worry about it because I know that I'm one of God's elect and I know uh, that I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, God only sees Jesus's righteousness in me. And, um, that's another very comforting thing. Um, and I believe it also has helped me sleep better at night. Um, knowing these things, you don't have to worry. Well, what if I don't wake up? Well, if I don't wake up, then I'm going to be in a wonderful place. Uh, I'm going to be there with, uh, the Lord Jesus and, uh, the father, and uh, perhaps see a bunch of people that I haven't seen uh, since I was a child. Um, kind of looking forward to it, although I'm not going to, I don't want anybody to push. <laughs> I don't want to get there too soon. But uh, anyway, I really haven't got any choice in it. As we all know, when God calls you, you're going. But um, it's, uh, and as pastor always says, we'll, uh, we'll be absent from the body, but present with the Lord. And that's... Um, those are very comforting words also. Um, I just think it's a great thing. Uh, I'm very appreciative that um, Pastor has chosen me to speak uh, in his absence. Um, and also he's, he's able to uh, stay away and know that uh, between Wade and I, that we are preaching from God's word and uh, delivering a message. Um, I now know that uh, God is really helping me uh, in my endeavors to find something to speak about. Um, the next thing, uh, what I've been preparing uh, for next Wednesday is called Peace. I'm not sure if I'll be speaking next Wednesday. I don't know if Wade's going to want to do his sermon and then I'll do the next 
whichever, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but um, it's really a wonderful thing, all of the gifts that God gives us. Um, I firmly believe that he brought Tracy and I together. Um, he brought Tracy and I to this church. Uh, he introduced um, us to pastor and all of you wonderful people my brothers and sisters in Christ, and all of the wonderful people. When I look at, lately I've been looking a lot at the picture that's in the foyer um, of all of the people that used to be here when we came here. Uh, I mean, we lost, how many people did we lose? We lost an entire baseball team when uh, the Fausts decided not to come here anymore because they had the two parents and seven kids. Um, also, uh, the... Marge Lay's daughter, um, Bukarts, the Bukarts, uh, don't come here anymore. Some people have died. We lost Roger Wood. Um, we also lost Brother Pfeiffer. Um, also, um, I believe God worked, uh, used Tracy to uh, comfort him when he was in the uh, home that he was in. She would go up there. Um, how often did you go up there? One Every day she would go up there and they would read the Bible together. And I believe that was a great comfort to Brother Pfeiffer. He was a very nice man. Um, and there are just so many others that uh, they've either moved away or they've gone to be with the Lord. Um, <clears throat> it was quite a big church. And right now it's rather small and modest. But um, this is what God has for us. Um, and we can trust that God will build this church up once again. Uh, if not, then it's in his will not to build it up. And uh, But we'll see what happens. We'll see what he has in store for the church and what he has in store for us. And uh, once again, I thank everybody for uh, taking the time to listen to me. Um, it makes me feel really good that um, you give me your attention. Um, like I said, I don't, you know, really who am I to be standing up here preaching from the Word of God, but obviously it must be doing something, right? If uh, the Lord's willing to help me out of a jam like He did today and give me something to preach about and um, occupy my time rather with, than with something like a bunch of gibberish or whatever that I would only be able to come up with on my own. So uh, 